0: May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our heart be always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. It's good to see you all here. I said the early service, it's always the coldest Sunday when I preach. I said I think God knows that I absolutely despise the cold weather, so I have to be here early. It's a test, I guess. I don't know. So I wanted to talk to you today about this reading, this gospel reading from Mark. And uh, Mark is like one of my favorite gospels. I took a class on it in seminary called Inductive Bible Study. So we went over Mark pretty extensively. And I enjoyed that class. We had to divide it up into sections and figure out the big ideas of each section. And anyway, it was a really good class. And so kind of this is the first kind of big section that we start today in chapter 1, verse 14. And it runs all the way through to chapter 3, verse 6. And really the main idea in this section is the authority of Jesus. And Jesus is pretty much demonstrating his authority throughout these couple of chapters by um, proclaiming the kingdom of God, calling the disciples, casting out demons, healing the sick, forgiving sins. And of course as we go through this, pretty quickly the religious leaders of that time get just so frustrated with him. They start challenging his authority, and in chapter 3, verse 6, they start to plot how they're going to destroy his life. So really quickly in his ministry, he's got the religious leaders saying, how are we going to get rid of this guy? And today, what I want to talk to you about, the big idea, is that we have to work on becoming a follower of Jesus and what that means. I really want to look at what that means to be a follower of Jesus And it's such a simple thing, but it's probably the most important subject that we can talk about. And I think sometimes, you know, we come and we sit in church, attend church services, and maybe we even get involved a little bit in some ministries. But sometimes we still kind of remain on the edge of following Christ because we still want to have our one foot in so we have fire insurance. But then we still want to do what we want to do. And you see, that's not really how discipleship works. But yet so many of us kind of fall into that trap of saying I want both things. I want both. I think there's another thing that we can kind of fall into when we come in and sit in church of our lives is that we're followers and we've committed ourselves but it becomes such a routine thing that we kind of grow quiet and we're not really proclaiming our faith as we once were the fires kind of dimmed a little bit because it's just what we do. And so at some point we kind of just lost that passion for it and i think that's pretty dangerous i think that's a dangerous place to be because we're supposed to be proclaiming the kingdom of god we're supposed to be proclaiming what jesus has done for us on the christ on the cross and yet often we just kind of get into our routine and say you know what i'm committed i do my bible study every day i do my prayers i have the joy of the lord in me the holy spirit lives in me but we just kind of keep it to ourselves. And I look at the world today, and I think the only way anything's ever going to get better is if we're willing to not be quiet. If we are fully surrendered to Christ, then we have to make sure that we're speaking out about our faith. So it really starts with, and I, I had this conversation with someone that works with students not that long ago. And they were saying the hard part today is so much we've told our kids That, you know, you can be anything you want to be. You can do anything you want to do. Just be who you are. And so the problem is, is they come, they're brought up from a very young age thinking, oh, well, I can do anything. I can be anything. And what I come up with is the right way. And so they don't really recognize that they're a sinner that needs a savior. They kind of miss that piece. And I think, unfortunately, all the way up through my generation, we've kind of fallen into that trap to say, I can do anything I want, so long as it's not going to hurt anybody. I can can do anything. So it's really hard for people to recognize, I think, today that they need a Savior, and that Savior is Jesus, because it starts with us recognizing that we're sinful. It starts by us recognizing that we have something that we can't do on our own. And so I think that's the first piece of this discipleship project, process is that you have to recognize that you need a Savior, and when you do, you have to turn around and repent. Because if you're not turning around, if you're staying on the edge and trying to keep one foot in this and one foot in the world, it doesn't work because ultimately you're going to be following your own personal desires. And that is not what it means to be a disciple of Christ. I also like in this passage, one thing that I remember we talked about in my seminary classes is that When these first disciples were called, they were called into service. They were called into service. Follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. It wasn't just come and hang out and walk around with me. You're going to have to do something. I'm going to train you to do something. And it's going to be a slow process. And it's probably even going to be painful at times. Because you're not going to understand what I'm calling you to do. And I think that's one of the things like throughout the gospel of mark we see the disciples going i don't understand what you're doing jesus i'm not getting what you're doing and they're with him every and they're not getting it they're not getting it i think how hard it is sometimes for us in this process of discipleship that we just don't get it all the time and we get discouraged because we take our eyes off of jesus you know one of the things i talked about in my last sermon was i'm hoping this is a year of growth for us And I hope this is a year of growth, and it really starts with this process of discipleship. It starts here. I mean, this is a very basic sermon today that I'm going to preach, and the points I'm going to give. But it's one of those things that I think we need to hear. And we need to refresh our minds of what this process looks like. Because as we go into service, as we go into following Jesus, it requires separation from the former things to be completely free to follow Jesus him. We can't hold anything back. We have to let it all go in order to keep him at the center. Jesus is about relationships. He's about the community. He's about fellowship. One of the things I liked in this is that we know the disciples' names. They're not nameless. They're named in this passage. And of course, we find out all 12 of them and we we hear from them throughout the gospel readings. And I think that's so important because it shows that Jesus was concerned about who they were. He wanted a personal relationship with him, with them. And that's what we need to be striving for in our life, to really have that personal, personal, intimate relationship with the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. So today, that's what I really want to look at, is what it means to be a disciple. And I ran across this from Elizabeth Elliot in one of her books, These Strange Ashes. And she tells this story. She said, One day Jesus said to his disciples, I'd like you to carry a stone for me. He didn't give any explanation, so the disciples looked around for a stone. And Peter, being very practical, sought out the smallest stone he could possibly find. After all, Jesus didn't give any regulations for weight and size, so he put it in his pocket. Then Jesus said, Follow me. He led them on a journey, and about time, Jesus had everyone sit down. He waved his hands, and all the stones turned to bread. And he said, "Now it's time for lunch." In a few seconds, Peter's lunch was over. When lunch was done, Jesus told them to stand up, and he again said, "I'd like you to carry a stone for me." This time, Peter said, "Ah, I get it now." So he looked around and saw a small boulder. He hoisted it on his back. And it was very painful, and he staggered, but he said, I can't wait for dinner. (laughs) Jesus said, and he led them on a journey, with Peter barely able to keep up. Around dinner time, Jesus led them to the side of a river, and he said, now everyone throw your stones into the water. They did, and then he said, follow me, and began to walk. Peter and the others looked at him dumbfounded. Jesus sighed and he said, don't you remember what I asked you to do? Who were you carrying the stone for? And I thought, isn't that true of us? Oftentimes we're excited to follow Jesus because we think of maybe what we can get out of this. What is he going to do for us? If I do this, Jesus, what are you going to do for me? What are you going to do for me? And yet we totally miss the point that he just said, come. And follow. And we're doing that for him, not for us. And so, what does it really mean to follow? It means to take the same route behind another person, to engage in something. And I think one of the most important things in following is that following implies trust. You trust the person, you trust that they have authority, and their authority is a source of reliable information in that subject. And if we look at all of our lives, I can guarantee you all of us are following something. Hopefully it's Jesus, but maybe we're following something else. Maybe we're following our spouse. Maybe we're following friends. Maybe we're following whatever. Fill in the blank. But I can guarantee everyone in this room, we all follow something. And so I have to say, what have you given authority to in your life? What is that thing that you look at and say, this has the authority, and I'm going to follow it above all else? I hope that it's Jesus, but I think this does call for all of us to pause and look at our lives. Because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. I think the important thing in that is that Jesus doesn't show us the way. He is the way. He's it. He's not taking us down some back road to how we're going to get there. He just says, follow me. I'm it. I'm it. I'm your way to the Father. And so what does it mean to be a disciple? A disciple is someone who binds himself to someone else in order to acquire his knowledge or his practical and theoretical knowledge. And so when I thought about that, I thought, what does a disciple look like? And so as I kind of looked at past sermons and I, I read through the Scriptures, These were kind of the points I came up with. I said they're the seven words of Jesus on being a disciple. And I think there's stuff we've all heard, but I can tell you I really had to step back and I went, am I doing that? Do I believe that? Am I where I need to be in this area? And these words that Jesus said as far as being his disciple. And so it's seven points that I'm going to kind of go through. And the first one is is a disciple bears his or her cross. A disciple bears his or her cross. Luke chapter 9, verse 23 says, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. It's not a great way to start. You have to take up your cross. That's a hard one. I liked what um, Tim Keller said about this. He said there's a difference between self-denial and denying oneself. Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. That is denying self. But that is easily confused with self-denial, which says, I will give up this thing or that thing. I want to gain a special mark of favor before God. I want to influence God to do something for me. When our motivation ultimately is to achieve something for ourselves by our actions, we are no longer denying self, but practicing self-denial. How subtle the differences are. Self-denial is an attempt to earn favor apart from faith in the gift of righteousness, which makes us wholly acceptable before God right at the very beginning of our Christian life. Denying self is a refusal to heed these, those arguments of the inner ego that appeal to us to show us how good we are by giving up something. And I was thinking about that with Lynch. I think how often we say, well, I'm going to give this up. But are we giving it up to draw us closer to God, or are we giving it up because we want God to look upon us favorably? I've been in both camps on this in my life, because we think sometimes that if we do this, God's going to go, oh, they're so good. Blessings, blessings, blessings. And it's just not how it always comes out. So I think that's an important piece in bearing cross is are we doing it because we're denying self, or are we doing it in this self denial piece because we really want to earn something in return? It's not about following Christ and being gaining a relationship with him. In Luke fourteen it says, And whoever does not carry their cross cannot be my disciple. That's a hard one, who's not willing to pick up their cross. And I look at everyone in this congregation, and I think how many of us have crosses that we have to pick up daily, whether it's a spouse that's sick, it's things that are going on in our lives that God's placed there, and we go, really? Really, do I have to do this? You know, my parents started the circle, and I look at those parents that are now, some of them in their 60s, 70s, 80s, and they're still taking care of their special needs kids, and I think that's a heavy cross to hold. And yet when you see all of them, they do it carefully. And we look at them as they're going through all these health issues now, some of the parents, and I go, how do they do it? And they do it because they are allowing the Holy Spirit to work in them. They're doing it because the Holy Spirit is working in them, and despite that probably they do wish it was different at times, they're okay with it, and they pick that up willingly each Day. You see, when a person pays the cross, it's a one-way trip. It's to death. It's to death of your desires and your wants. It's a hard one to follow. The disciples pray. In Luke 11, it says, One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. Another very simple point that we're supposed to pray as followers of Jesus, and yet sometimes I think we get up, we say a quick prayer in the morning, go about our day and say, See you tonight. See you tonight. prayer tonight. And yet, prayer is something we should be doing constantly. It should just be throughout the day, little things. It's not that you have to come up here and kneel down before the altar to do it all the time. A lot of times, it's just walking in between meetings, maybe, driving your car on these crazy roads. All these things give us opportunities to just say, Lord, be with me. I don't know how to minister to this person. I don't know what to say to this person. Lord, keep me safe. Lord, be with the doctor that I'm going to go visit today, that I get good test results. Lord, be with my kid's teacher today as they minister to my kid. Whatever it is, it's just little conversations, little things that pop up throughout the day. A disciple is constantly third point I came up with was the disciple is full of joy and the Holy Spirit. In Acts 13, it said the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. You know, this is one that shows that we are different. Are we joyful even in the toughest of times? Are we joyful even when everything seems to be crumbling around us? And you know what? When things are crumbling around us, if we have the Holy Spirit in us, we may not like it. We may not want to go through it. We may not want to be there. But we handle the situation so much differently than many others. We don't fall apart. We still have joy. We can come and surround ourselves with others in the body of Christ to help raise us up during those times. And that's an important point for us to think about. Do our lives reflect that of joy in someone filled with the Holy Spirit? Or do we pretty much look like the world. Because that is a true mark, I think, of the follower of Christ, is are you full of joy despite your circumstances? The fourth point is, a disciple abides in the word. In John 8, it says, to the Jews who had believed, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciple. This is so important, and it's yet one that I... Stop abiding So often we say, I just don't have time today. I just don't have time today for that. There's too many things going on. I'll do it. I'll do it tomorrow. Well, guess what? It doesn't happen tomorrow. And then it doesn't happen the next day. And then your habit becomes, eh, eh, I go to church on Sundays. I hear the Word. I'm good. I can tell you, this is not enough. This is a good start to the week. This is get you going. It's fellowship. It's the Word. It's worship. It's great. But we have to carry it out from here. Because you're not going to have the joy of the Lord in you. You're not going to be able to take things to the people around us and minister to people if we're not constantly spending time in the Word. That's such an important one. And you know what? It's a struggle it is cuz the devil comes in and says, you know, it's really cold this morning. I think stay in bed a little bit longer. We don't have to do that today. And we give into it really, really quick. But we have to be a people of the word. We have to know the word, you know, and as today it's so convenient. You know, I have an app called the Hello app and I just put it on. They have like 20 minutes of Bible reading a day and it goes through the whole Bible in a year and as commentary that goes with it, that I agree with and sometimes don't agree with. But the Bible reading itself is really good. And so I think that's an easy way for me that even on days that I'm really busy, as I know in my car, I'm going to have the drive to the church or drive home that I'm going to, to this. And I reflect on it and I meditate on it. So really today, if you don't like reading, there's no excuse not to read your Bible because there are ways to do that. I try not to be like my grandfather, who always, my grandmother would get up every day and read her Bible for an hour, and she was always worried about my grandfather, and he'd say, "Anne, when they put when they make it all into a movie, I'll see it then. So, let's not quite be like that. <laughs> Although it's my genes, so sometimes I have those thoughts too, but work, work in progress. The fifth point is a disciple bears fruit. A disciple bears fruit. It says in John 15, this is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciple. This is yet another important one. Are we bearing fruit? And sometimes I've talked to people and they go, yeah, but I don't really know what God's calling me to do. I, uh, uh, I don't know. And I can tell you what really helped me in life was I took a spiritual gifts assessment. And I've taken one from Peg Daly, I've taken one from Gail Curley, and I've taken one in college. That was really instrumental to me in figuring out, what is my gifting? Where is God using me, and has he gifted me in a special way? I can tell you, if you don't know what your gift is, come see one of us, because we have these tests. And it's so helpful that when you know your gifts, it really helps you figure out, how am I bearing fruit? Because if you're trying to act in a way that's not in your gifting, you're always going to feel totally like, Oh, oh this isn't it. This isn't working. Am I, am I doing anything? Am I doing anything? But knowing your spiritual gift is really a way to see: Are you bearing fruit? And of course, praying and asking the Holy Spirit to guide you in that. But it's such an important one. Are we bearing fruit? 15, it says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, in the name of the father will be given to you. A disciple bears fruit. The sixth point is a disciple loves his neighbor as himself. I think I preached a whole sermon on that not too long ago, because that's also so important, in John 13 it says, By this everyone will know that you are my disciple, if you love one another. And that is so important. It seems like today everywhere you turn, people are out of point, there's disunity, there's conflicts because I have a different view than you and you have a different view to me, so we can't get along, we can't have a conversation, we can't do anything. And There's just this constant tension. And as the disciple of Jesus, it, we should be different. Just because we love them doesn't mean we accept their views or accept a certain lifestyle. But we are saying, I'm willing to love you and share the gospel with you and be a light for you and show joy, even when we don't necessarily agree. And that's so contrary to what the world is doing today. And I think this is just one of the most important points. It goes right there with being full of joy and the Holy Spirit, people can see we're different when we interact differently. And they say, Really, even though you don't agree with me, you, you we can have a conversation? You're showing love to me? That's so out of character for the world. I don't understand. And then that gives a way in to say, This is why I'm this way. This is why I'm this way, because of what Jesus did for me on the cross. In Galatians 5, it says, For the entire law is fulfilled. And keeping this one command, neighbor as yourself, how well are we loving others? And finally, for the seventh point, a disciple's allegiance is to Christ. A disciple's allegiance is to Christ. People's things, dreams are always battling for our allegiance. They just are. And we're easily distracted And yet in Luke 14, it says, If anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. Jesus wants all of us, 100%. And the only way we're going to do that is through the power of the Holy Spirit working in our lives. But we also have to be careful not to become distracted by so many other things in this world. Because it's easy for us to get distracted. It's easy for us to lose sight of what Jesus did for us when health issues come, when the sickness hits, when people die, when bad things happen. it's easy to focus on that and not look at Christ. Or when really good times come. And all the good things are going on. It's easy to say, I don't really need a Savior right now. And it's not that we consciously make that decision, I don't think, as believers. But sometimes we just go, things are so good right now. And we look at all those good things and all those stuff that's going on and we go, ah. But a disciple's allegiance is to Christ. A little bit later in Luke chapter 14, he said, Jesus said, In the same way those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciple. We have to leave it all behind for him. And so as as you as we reflect on these points of bearing crosses and being a person of prayer and joy and abiding in the word and fruit, loving our neighbors and having allegiance to Christ. I think all of those I've really spent the week reflecting on that in my own life and praying where am I struggling? Where am I falling short today in being your disciple? What things are hindering me from being in full surrender to you? I hope all of us can do that today. I hope all of us can take time to reflect and say, maybe where where am I not where I need to be? I would encourage you to go home and pray about this and say, What do I need to do to be a fully surrendered and committed disciple of Christ? I think it's wonderful that this came so early this year, because I think it's a good one just to move us on our way to how is this year going to look? Are we going to be people of full surrender and doing God's will for our lives? Or are we going to be people that say, I like it, but I also really like the world too, so I'm going to do both. You can't have both. It's all Jesus, or it's not. So please, today, I would just say as you go from here, I think all of us could spend some time and reflect on this and say, where do I want to be this year? How am I going to grow as a disciple of Christ today? Because I can tell you as we do that as a congregation, we're going to have a huge impact on the world around us. And so I encourage us all not to be quiet in our faith, but to stand up, stand firm, and go forth from here proclaiming the good news and being a fully surrendered disciple of Christ. Amen.